Hi, this is Ariel from BC Libre and Ewa from Valley Bikery. And we're on Bike Talk today and we're going to be talking a little bit about bike co-ops because we're from bike co-ops and, well, maybe a lot about bike co-ops and maybe giving a little bit of a bike co-ops 101, so to speak, maybe a bike co-ops in LA 101 because bike co-ops around the world or around the nation are all very different. Um, so when you think, Ayla, when you think of a bike co-op, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, people fixing their own bikes. Okay. So in Los Angeles, uh, or I guess at the Valley Bikery, how does your bike co-op work? Or I guess, like, what was the idea for it when it got started and how has it worked in terms of people fixing their own bikes? Sure. Uh, well, so we got started in 2009 um, because there really weren't that many resources in the Valley as compared with the rest of L.A. Um, and so we started out mobile, so we were just doing different um, mobile bike clinics, the farmer's markets and the park and things like that, um, going to different areas because the valley is so big. Um, and then eventually we moved into um, part of a bike shop in Chatsworth, um, which was a really nice situation because we were able to benefit from, um, oh, sorry, my cat is attacking me. Um, we were able to benefit from the the shop's resources and also, you know, the knowledge of the guy who owned the shop because he was very knowledgeable about bikes. Um, and then, you know, also just support what they were doing because if customers would come in wanting new things or wanting the shop owner to fix their bike, that was an option. Or if they wanted to learn how to fix their own bike or if they couldn't afford to, to buy something new or have the shop owner fix their bike, then they could learn. Um, so that was nice. And then in... Um, a couple years ago, we moved to Van Nuys, and we've been there ever since. Uh, we have our own space there, pretty small, but cozy. Um, and so we operate, um, you know, then and now with volunteers um, on a consensus basis. So um, everyone puts in as much time as they can. Um, if someone, someone can be a core volunteer if they put in at least one shift a week, so about three to four hours a week. Um, and then we... You know, we meet every so often and make decisions together. We uh, we don't just vote on things. We'll, you know, make sure that everyone feels good about a decision, talk about it, come to consensus. Um, and, yeah, I think that's the gist of it. We do uh, do-it-yourself bike repair where we will, you know, just like all the other co-ops, where we will um, teach people how to fix their bikes and uh, even teach people how to build a bike. And then um, we also do events and bike rides and things like that. Cool. Um, you want to talk a I'm little bit about your about BC Libre? Yeah, BC Libre started as a mobile uh, sort of venture as well. Um, when it first started, it was called BC Digna, and it was specifically to um, sort of it was run out of a place called Udepska, and it was specifically to help 
people that were day laborers to help them with their bikes and also to give them skills to, in order to fix other people's bikes. Then it was switched over to kind of being a like a, just a repair, a way to repair bikes to give them away. Then it kind of became more of a traditional co-op where bikes were being fixed and then sold for a donation. And that's kind of how it has stayed um, to this day. And we have kind of the same, pretty much, you know, similar things going on to all the other bike co-ops and similar to the Valley Bikery where we have our own space. Um, we aren't, we don't have a place that we've bought. The, I think the only place in L.A. that they actually own the space well, do bike saunas own their own space? I don't know um, if they own the house. I don't know. Um, but I think the bike kitchen is the only bike co-op that actually owns their own space. But we rent, and um, we like our spot because it's really big. And we kind of have similar thing where people come in, they, you know, they have a problem with their bike, they can, we can teach them how to fix it or, you know, build a bike or um, work on a bike all for donation-based um, prices. And um, we also have volunteers and we have one um, part-time, part, part-time paid staff person, which is actually me. And um, I do stuff like outreach and education and bookkeeping. Um, and that uh, might go on for a little longer, but then that's also just run on a grant, so that will probably end soon. Um, but otherwise, we do kind of do stuff by consensus as well, and um, we have meetings. We try to have meetings twice a month, and sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but, you know, that's kind of how it works. Um, another question I had for you, because earlier we were talking about um, nonprofits and a sort of non-corporate world, and even though you know bike co-ops are sort of sort of like businesses, so to speak, you know, or we're offering services, we're offering you know things at a donation that you know people are. In, in effect, buying things or learning or sort of educational slash business spaces, um, what we have going on still is a sort of um, different culture than like a corporate space or maybe even a nonprofit space where there's more hierarchy. So um, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on maybe the feel of working at a co-op versus working in a nonprofit or a corporate structure? What's that like? Um, well, I think it's really refreshing to have, you know, an organization where everyone is equally valued and everyone's able to give, you know, their input, their work, and and make as much of an impact as they choose. Um, then, you know, because everybody's volunteer, it is, however much they choose to give, but, you know, everybody's voice is as important as anybody else's. And, um, you know, if someone has an idea that, is, that can be incorporated, no problem. There, there are not huge levels of bureaucracy that need to be, you know, uh, 
gone through before an idea can actually happen. If someone has an idea, we talk about it, we do it, and, and as long as someone's willing to put in the legwork to do all the coordinating, it will happen, which is really nice because I think in a lot of other organizations, especially as they get really big, um, you know, getting all sorts of clearance and approval and things like that that have to happen in a hierarchical system, it can just take a lot of time. It makes people feel frustrated because that time could have could have been spent actually doing something um, mm -hmm. as opposed to just, you know, getting permission or, or documenting or evaluating, things like that. Um, so I think it's really nice to have a situation where people can relate to each other as equals and um, be creative and brainstorm and think about the process of doing things and providing services and not just the product or the bottom line or you know the end result. Because at the end of the day, if you have an organization where everyone or most of the people are volunteers, it really has to be a situation that people enjoy being in. It has to be an experience that people enjoy the process and not just, you know, the, the event or um, the product or whatever because otherwise people aren't going to stick around. Yeah, for sure. I, oh, what did it make me think of? Oh, it made me think of, um, I had a, I took a fundraising class actually and my fundraising teacher always said the people who give the most their hearts are the closest to like the center of the mission of the organization. Mm -hmm. And that was more talking about money, but I think mm -hmm. it's true for volunteers as well. You know, like like deep like the people that end up being long term volunteers that, you know, dedicate themselves to the consensus model and really spend a lot of time volunteering and coming back every week, their hearts really are in it and they're really like, you know, have a place um, in their heart for bicycles and people that want to ride bikes and and even just education, too. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not only, I think it's not only maybe what we're, we're teaching bike mechanics, but we're also teaching people how to teach, too, which is interesting. Yeah. And I think that's uh, actually one of the hardest things for new volunteers is um, not just doing it for people. And being yeah. able to, you know, explain something and really let the, the customer have the tools in their hands and fix their bike themselves. And when they leave, be able to feel a real sense of accomplishment and not feel that, well, you know, the mechanic just did it for me. And actually, yeah, and uh, someone that's... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, someone at the Bikerwave um, told me they call it the burrito rule, where if you're if you're volunteering and you're able to explain to someone and help them fix their bike, you should be able to be to do that with a burrito in your hand because you shouldn't be holding the tools. You shouldn't be doing fixing the bike for them. <laughs> and so if you can teach them while holding a burrito, then you're doing the right thing. <laughs> what if they have a really, really hard crank to remove, though? Do you drop your burrito? <laughs> well, maybe like a one-handed burrito. <laughs> A small breed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it makes me think, too, about, you know, when you have the hierarchy in, say, a really large organization or something corporate or whatever the case may be, even in really large nonprofits, 
because you have so many people, you start, you know, specializing people in certain things, and then that knowledge sharing isn't there so much. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. And really the the idea of valuing the fact that, like, anyone can learn this skill and it's available for anyone at any time kind of disappears. You know, everyone has to go into having their very specific, specialized knowledge. And, you know, that person knows this and that person, this other person knows that. But we're not going to teach it to that person because they just need to be for this function. Um, So I like the model of bike co-ops because we really believe that, no, everyone can learn to fix brakes. It's not like there's, you know, oh, go to that volunteer. They're the brake guy. Or go to that volunteer. They only work on cassettes or something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. like everyone has to try and learn everything. Though, you know, there are people that know more about one thing than another, but I like that there's that. Um, difference. Yeah. And I think it also creates a really nice sense of community because, uh, you know, some people are experts in one area and some people are experts in another area. And people are constantly teaching each other, learning, teaching, learning, teaching, and, you know, just interacting with each other on a regular basis. And because people are there because they want to be, you know, they're volunteers um, and they're people who feel passionately about it, I think it creates this really nice sense of community and that's also something that causes people to stay, you know, and continue to give and continue to learn, which is really nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, Oh, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, consensus and decision-making at a bike co-op and volunteers and how that happens. Um, How do you guys run your decision-making and consensus and all that in your meetings? Um, well, we're a pretty small group, so um, it's it's pretty basic. Um, you know, we'll talk about different things that come up, you know, in the shop or re- relating to events or different things that we might choose to do. Um, and if people have different ideas, we'll talk about those ideas. Um, how, you know, people can suggest different solutions or um, courses of action, and then we'll decide together about something that we want to do. And if one person isn't really feeling good about it, you know, we'll say, well, what are some other ideas? That person might suggest some other ideas, and we might modify accordingly. Um, But because, you know, we have about six core volunteers, so um, it's much more informal than other large organizations. So... I know that as groups get larger, there's a bit more formality involved in coming to consensus and maybe different strategies that are applied, like uh, stacking, you know, who whoever raised their hand first and things like that. Um, but since we're small, I mean, we can just have a conversation about it, and, and it's pretty simple in that sense. Um, I think you guys are about similar size, right? Yeah, we have, like... Six to seven or so volunteers that are, we call them volunteer members. And we run ours, I think we generally run on consensus. Sometimes it ends up being uh, sort of, uh, what's it called, majority roles. 
Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's consensus. <laughs> sometimes we kind of go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why exactly. It just kind of happens like that. Um, but, yeah, generally, I mean, most things we kind of will talk about it if there's a bunch of people that are really against it. Um, and, you know, if there is a bunch of people that are against it or even, like, two people, then we usually talk about it until we make a better decision or not do something. Um and yeah, we definitely have uh you know, like we try to support people's ideas, but there's also uh, you know, like if you think of an idea you should try and figure out how to make it work and we'll support you in it. Um Yeah, it's nice because you know, everyone is connected to different things. You know, like one person might be from one area of town, another person from another and everyone has different resources, and so, um, you know, we're, we've worked with schools, and we've worked with libraries and all different local things, and it's great to, like, find out who you're connected to, actually, by having the co-op go and, and provide services and classes up in those locations, and um, and just, like, yeah, have people be really thankful for what you've taught them as well, which is, is awesome. So, I don't know. Um, what was the other thing I was going to ask about? Oh, um, so uh, what's new at the bikery? What is happening there these days? Anything interesting going on in the future, future events? Um, well, we are starting up our new yoga bicycle ride uh, called YoCycle, and it's led by one of our volunteers named Sharon. And um, it's going to basically, every Wednesday, they'll meet around 6, ride around 7, and basically we'll ride to the park or to different local areas, and then um, there's a spot at the park that's lighted, that's lit at night, um, and so Sharon will lead a yoga class, and she's an excellent yoga instructor. Uh, not a professional yoga instructor, but an excellent one, and she did quite a bit of uh, yoga training when she was in college. Um, and then after the yoga class, people will go on a little short ride back to the bikery and call it a night. Um, so Do you know really what, kind of yoga, what kind of yoga she does? Um, it's going to be a... a it's going to start out as somewhat of a beginner class um, and then depending on people who show up and how long people continue to come, um, it might advance from there. Um, but it's very focused on, um, I don't know what the sort of style of yoga it would be called, but uh, I kind of wanted to say regular yoga, <laughs> but I feel that that's <laughs> not what it's called. Um, but uh yeah. I knew it will be know the name of that something the the one that has the word flow in it. I think that's it. yeah, maybe vinyasa yoga, but I think vinyasa, vinyasa yoga, but I'm not sure if that's <laughs> what she would call it or not. <laughs> um, but she's great, and she's very focused on also like your state of mind and how that relates to your body and how your body relates to your state of mind and just you know staying positive and things like that. So I mm. think it will be really nice. Cool. And you guys have done the yoga classes um, or the yoga ride in the past, right? Yeah, we've done it a couple times just recently, and uh, 
we're just starting to to grow it and do it more often. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. And um, if people want to find out more about it, should they look on your Facebook yeah. or what? To find out more about it, uh, it's posted on Facebook. It's called YoCycle. Um, and then it will be on our website very shortly. Our website is under construction at the moment. Um, but our fabulous web volunteer is uh, working on it. So it should be up on the website shortly. And the Valley Bikery is Valley and then B-I-K-E-R-Y, right? Bikery. Yeah. And so the website is Valley Bikery, B-I-K-E-R-Y.com. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, and then anything else happening? Um, not in not immediately. Uh, as we talked about on our last uh, bike talk, we and the other bike co-ops are still working towards tour de co-ops, and there will be information about that coming soon, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is still, very exciting. Still on its way. <laughs> what? <laughs> still on its way, but get excited. Yes. <laughs> Um, is there anything exciting going on at, at BC Libre? Yes. In November, we're doing our second installation, this season's installation of, not installation, but, well, I guess you could call it that, of our basic mechanics class for our Women Trans Femme Night. And it's a class that is going to be held the first three Thursdays in November. And it's going to be for basically anyone that would um, normally be welcome to the Women Trans Femme Night. And that's just like, you know, anyone who identifies as a woman or, as we say, anyone for whom gender has been a barrier in mechanics. So you, you can just interpret that how you want if, if um, you know, going into a um, highly masculine, um, you know, testosterone-laden shop is scary to you, then you should come to our really nice, healthy, friendly uh, class. (laughs) Anyways, at our class, we're going to be covering um, three different nights' worth of topics. And each night is going to be three hours long. And the first night is on brakes. No, no, no. The first night is on fixing flats and bicycle safety. So like doing a, an ABC check on your bike. An ABC check or ABCD check is um, air brakes chain and derailers. So derailers we're going to do in the last class. So we might not cover that in the first class. And then the second class, we're going to cover um, brakes, all types of brakes. And then the third class will be on derailers and uh, maybe a little bit of truing at the end there. Um, Just truing is pretty easy to get the basic idea of it. It doesn't take too long to figure out and learn. Easy Um, easy to learn, hard to master. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was working on some cheering someone's wheel last night, and like every single spoke was just uh, like the metal was just rubbing off, and mm. I pretty much rounded out every nipple on the the spoke nipples, and I don't know what was going on. <laughs> it wasn't my I wasn't my wrench, I promise. I, I don't know what was going on, but anyway. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, that's happening. And so let me, wait. let me think about what the dates are here. Um, I believe, oh, they're the 7th, the 14th, and the 21st of November. And the class is going to be then it's for a total of nine hours of class. That's lots of learning. And the cost of the class right now is $30. So if you break that down, it's only like $3 or so per hour, which is really cheap to learn. So is it, and, $30, uh, per, is it $30 for each class or $30 no, for the total. series of three? No, total. Okay. So it's only like yeah. $10 for each class. Yeah. Um, we offer that price just because it's a great price, for, especially for people in our neighborhood who want to learn. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a good price. I recommend it. And it's going to be taught by the wonderful Rio Contreras. Um, shout out to Rio. She's an awesome friend of the bike community. And she is um, from Echo Park and has also lived in Oakland, where she learned a lot of her bike mechanics from awesome people up there. And she is going to be our teacher again for the class. And last time we had um, awesome people in our class, and we're hoping to have you listeners who are listening now um, to come and sign up as well and be more awesome people in the class. And you can also do work trade if you don't have $30. You just have to come in and um, work during another time at the shop when we're open, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, from 5 to 8 during any of those times. And you can um, trade in work hours for money instead of um, paying for the class. So, yeah. I recommend and it's it. for all ages? It's for, um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I would say... Yeah, technically it could be for all ages. I guess we haven't really thought about so kids that. We mostly have had people that are over 18. But yeah, I guess um, if you come, if you're under 18 and you want to go to it, you probably want to get your parents' permission on a slip um, when you come in for the first day. You might want to bring your one of your guardians or parents with you if you come in. But um, yeah. Cool. That sounds great. Um, what about, are you guys doing a ride in November, too? Oh, yes, we are doing a ride in November. Thank you. <laughs> um, we are doing a ride with Cycle and with Metro on November 16th, Saturday, November 16th. Um, and it's going to be a deli ride, so we're going to go sample some food from delis in the valley. And... Um, so you can come eat yeah. kosher pickles and rye bread and <laughs> matzo balls, things like that. Um, we're going to be starting in Northridge at Dearborn Park and doing a short ride with a few, with three different stops at three delis or delis and cafes, and then we'll stop. We'll end up at Dearborn Park again. So it'll be short and sweet and lots of fun. Um, so definitely come by. The park is right near public transit, so it's very accessible um, if you live in the valley or if you live in other parts of LA. And it's free, so it should be really fun. Cool. What public transit is it near to? Um, I don't know off the top of my head, but Dearborn Park is right across the street from CSUN. So it's very close uh, to CSUN. Um, 
and the Susan Bike Collective will be participating as well. Um, so we'll have two bike co-ops plus cycle participating, and it's a program through Metro where Metro is doing um, put, helping to put on different bike rides throughout the city to help connect people to transit. Yeah, we did a Metro ride this past summer, and it was really fun. Metro has been sponsoring rides with Cycle every month, I think, this year. Mm -hmm. Pretty awesome. Thank you, Metro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and Cycle. Thank you, Cycle. <laughs> um, and the bike, the bike ride is, you know, it's designed for beginner cyclists, or really any cyclist, cyclists of all levels. So even if you've never gone on a bike ride before, if you've never... Um, ridden with traffic, this is a great way to feel more comfortable doing that because, first of all, we'll be taking calm streets. We really designed the route to be enjoyable and not stressful. Um, and then we'll have ride leaders who will help to, you know, help us all to move through traffic safely. Um, there are going to be some experienced riders who are happy to share, you know, tips about routes that they like or ways that they you know, like to communicate with drivers and traffic and things like that. Um, so it's a really, really great way to feel more comfortable riding your bike in traffic or even just on um, different streets when you're going from one place to another as opposed to just on the bike path. Because let's face it, the bike path doesn't go everywhere that we would like to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so definitely recommended for people who are looking to feel a little more comfortable on their bike or people who just want to have a fun time come out on a Saturday and ride around a little bit and eat some delicious food. Cool. Um, I wanted to announce one other ride very quickly. Um, this is a ride that I'm really excited about, and BC Libre people are going to be helping out with this ride also as mechanics. Um, but it's happening on Saturday, October 26th from 2 to 6 p.m., and it is a ride, it's starting at Echo Park. And this is a ride that is, uh, sort of a lot of people in the bike community in Los Angeles are also very oriented toward issues in their communities and, um, you know, using bikes to help out to spread the, new, the word on those issues. I'm thinking about ovarian psychos especially who've been on Bike Talk in the past. Um, anyways, this isn't necessarily an ovarian psychos ride, though I'm sure many ovarian psychos will be on the ride. Um, but it's a ride against um, gang injunctions in Echo Park that have already been passed. And a gang injunction is basically a thing where the um, police sort of uh, have this injunction and it's just like a rule or whatever among the police that they can just arrest anyone that looks like they're in a gang. And it doesn't really matter, you know, if they say they're in a gang or if they've been recorded as being in a gang or not. It could just be somebody who looks like it according to the cops. And so there's going to be a ride um, dedicated to spreading the word on that. Um, it's going to have um, an ending destination where there will be documentaries, information, music, poetry, open mics, dancing, and food. And um, I, highly, I highly recommend this ride. Um, and if you're going to come, make sure you bring 
a working bike, and I don't know if you really need lights on your bike because I think it'll be during the day. Um, I think there will be maybe some free food or at least really cheap food. And, um, yeah, just come to that ride if you want to learn more, and you can find information about the ride at Ride for Freedom. Look up Ride for Freedom on Facebook. Um, Yeah, that's about it on that ride. Um, yeah, and um, the the woman who's helping to teach our class is especially um, helping out with this ride and is interested in it because she's from Echo Park and um, it's, you know, affecting people that she knows and there's already been people arrested who, you know, they aren't related to a gang at all. Maybe they just have short hair or maybe they're wearing baggier pants or, you know, um, for some reason, the cops just want to harass them. And so um, this ride is going to hopefully, like, bring more people into the know about this issue and organize people to help, you know, change this unjust law that's been passed. So. That's great. And what's the date of that again? Again, it's October 26th, um, which is a Saturday. And it's I'm going to start on Park Avenue and Lemoyne Street, and it's from 2 o'clock until 6 o'clock. I think maybe that's just the ride, or maybe it's um, it'll go longer for the final, like, fiesta at the end, but I'm not really sure. But it's at least that long for, maybe the ride's just a couple hours probably, and then, and then um, stuff will happen after that. I'm excited to see any movies. It's always interesting to me to see documentaries. And maybe I'm sure they'll have people who have been affected by it speaking too so we can learn more. But um, a lot of people say that that, um, the gang injunctions happened because of the opening of the Echo Park leak and uh, kind of just the gentrification of Echo Park because of having like this fancy lake and now you know, like them wanting to kick out um, people of color from the area. So it's very important to to come to this ride and come out and support. Um, yeah. Um, what are we looking at? How much um, more time do we have? Oh, there's also one other ride that I um, just thought of that, uh, like Sona Delvai is doing. Um, on November 2nd, they're doing a Dia de los Muertos ride. And I don't know all the details off the top of my head, but I know that they've been planning it for a really long time, and it's going to be a huge ride. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I believe the start point is at Bike San Valle, which is in Pacoima. Um, and you can find out more information on their Facebook page. Um, and... Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun, November 2nd, Dia de los Muertos ride. Sweet. Wait, maybe I can tell you. Wait, never mind. I don't see it. Um, do you know if they're starting at, did you say they're starting at Bikesanas? I think they're starting at Bikesanas, but I'm not 100% sure. So uh, if you're interested, you should definitely check online first. Oh, wait, here, I have more information. Okay. They're going to be going to Piachucha. Um, okay, yeah. And they're also, they're going to the 
there's an event at the Pioneer Memorial Cemetery. And so they're going to especially focus on um, people who've been, um, you know, hurt or killed from bike accidents and police brutality. And there will be face painting and mobile altars. Oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> mobile altars. <laughs> That's cool. Um, and they'll be riding around Pacoima, San Fernando, and Silmar. So, and it's no rider left behind, which means anyone should go and everyone should go. They won't be going too fast. <laughs> Um, so, hey, are you guys just about uh, done? Did you want me to help you to say, like, goodbye? Or? Sure. <laughs> uh, I, can, I can say it, probably. Uh, I mean, well, that's about it for tonight. And, thank you um, for listening. Thanks for listening in. I guess it's not tonight. It's today. <laughs> And thanks for listening. Um, we hope that you stop by BC Libre or the bikery or any co-op, whatever co-op is closest to you sometime soon, and come out to one of the rides because rides are really what connect us together, especially mm-hmm. in the bike community. And why fix your bike up if you're not going to ride it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.